Welcome to Flat Sharp. This is the podcast where we take two songs an episode and we use those songs as a window into music, pop culture, and beyond. I'm Benjamin Rush. And I'm Matt Soraka. Hey, so before we get started, we'd love to have you contribute and participate in choosing the next songs that appear on Flat Sharp. So you guys know we do a random pairing. I bring a song, Matt brings a song. We want to turn over that responsibility to you, the listeners. So here's what you have to do. Um, Send us an email, flatsharppodcast at gmail.com. Give us a song that you think you'd love to have talked about on the show and give us a compelling reason that we should talk about that. It has to be by an artist we've never talked about. And you got to give us some personal connection to the song, why we should choose your answer. Entry. If you're compelling enough and we really feel excited to talk about it, you may just get your song featured on Flat Sharp. We may even invite you to contribute for the episode. So again, send us an email, flatsharppodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Absolutely. All right. So if you're a regular listener to Flat Sharp, you know that normally we pair two random songs. Uh, Matt brings one, I bring one, and we see where it goes from there. Today we're gonna we're gonna throw that script out a little bit, as we sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we do a theme episode, uh, and today is a theme episode. And so we're gonna call this one. What are we gonna call it? Um, we'll call it Music Movie Moments. Music Movie Moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about our love of specific scenes or specific songs in specific movies that yeah. we have some connection to or just think is successful for some reason. I like that. Yeah, pairing of music and cinema yeah. that we feel connected to or we just like for, for whatever and I th- reason. I think music is a loose term. That could be the score. That could be songs. It could be incidental music. It could be the credits rolling with the music we like. Right. Whatever it is. So normally we've shared our sort of thoughts ahead of time and then done research. Today right. we're each just bringing kind of some 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 thinking to the table right we're going to have a more more open ranging conversation we don't really know what's in the other person's notebook exactly okay we're just going to kind of see what happens okay so hopefully this is fun and we'll see how it goes music movie moments all right so let's get into it i mean a a challenge a little bit of this is that this is a huge topic wide ranging (laughs) partially because every movie features music right in some way shape or form whether it's songs or score like every movie has music in it so talking about Music and movies is like talking about all movies. It's hard. So you or know, all I, food. I think, you know? yeah, I think maybe this is like more personal. It's more generational. It's more just yeah. what what punches you in the gut. What do you like? Did you have a criteria that you were running as a kind of a software in your brain for picking? A little bit. Like I, in my mind, I sort of stayed away from musicals because it seemed too obvious to mm-hmm. me. Because I love musicals, but I, I was I I gravitated more to thinking about more like conscious choices of like songs that elevated a moment or Mm. performance inside of the film itself. That's not to say we couldn't talk about musicals, but I sort of set musicals aside personally as I was thinking. Well, I should get rid of my newsies picks. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just, let's just start with, with, with something. So what's a moment that you think is cool? 1986, a movie called Ferris Bueller's day off. You, you, I I know exactly what you're going to talk about. No, you don't. I do. Go ahead. Guess you're going to, well, there's two moments. You're either going to talk about the oh yeah scene where they're looking at the car. Nope. Or you're going to talk about Ferris on the float singing Twist and Shout. Neither of those what? two. Neither of those two. What's the matter? What, what moment then? The museum scene. When they go to the... When they're looking at the Syrah. When they go to the um, Chicago... Is it... Chicago Muse- Museum of Art. Of Art. And it is a song... It's an instrumental version of a Smith song called Please, 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 Let Me Get What I Want. 
and it is a gorgeous part of the yeah, it's movie. Qui- I can't like hear it in my head, but I'm, I know it's quiet. It's quiet. It's like it's very restrained. intimate. It's um, no dialogue. It's just them walking on the museum. These improvised shots of them in front of Monet paintings, and this really famous shot of Cameron in front of what's the artist's name? It's George Seurat. George Seurat. Yeah, it's at the pointillist, right? Yeah, it's back and it. forth between Cameron's it's, eye yes, and, and getting closer to the dots. Yes, it's a shot reverse shot between Cameron and I listened to this Hughes. Um, commentary where he's talking about it and he says I did that to kind of show that at the the more Cameron looks at this girl the less he sees because with pointillism the closer you get the less it becomes clear yeah and it's kind of like he was saying that's like Cameron Cameron fear fears that the more you see of him the less there is of him so he's kind of like this mm. like fear of like he's nothing you know a few great moments in that film though oh, in the, addition I mean the Ferris Bueller twist and shout scene at the great. end and that oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah, right with the nineteen whatever sixty eight spider whatever yeah. Porsche whatever the car is. I love that in that movie. There's another film from the eighties, uh, a Michael J. Fox movie called The Secret of My Success. Oh sure, yeah. that also uses oh yeah mm-hmm. in a scene where he's like driving like the boss's wife and she's like trying to come on to him. That's another great one. The, the yeah. 80s were great for that. Uh, yeah. John Hughes, speaking of John Hughes, thinking about The Breakfast Club. Yeah. A couple of great oh my God. moments. Uh, the ending scene. Yeah. The freeze frame. Yeah, the freeze frame. Judd Nelson, right? Yeah. yeah, he's doing uh, Don't Forget About Me. Yeah. I forget, what band did that? Simply they? Red, I believe, is the name. Simply oh, Simple Red. Minds. Simple, Simple Minds. Minds. I was going to say Crowded Simply, House. <laughs> Simply Red. Simply Red is something Definitely else. not Simply Red. Not Simply Red. <laughs> Simply Red did Lady in Red. Exactly, yeah. Did they? Red, back to back reds there. Well, regardless, the, the band is Simple Minds. It's unlikely yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but don't you forget about me. What a powerful. I mean, now it's kind of cheesy, but in the context of that song, though, oh God, I dude, think if it's I'm hearing super, that song on the radio. I'm turn crank, it up. I'm cranking turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up. Let's stay with the 80s for a minute. Other, uh, other 80s iconic scenes. I mean, to me, yeah. one that immediately went on my list was Back to the Future, which I just watched last weekend with my kids. What's it going to be? Um, I mean, to me, it's got to be Johnny B. Johnny Good, B. Good. You know, Johnny at, B. Good. at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Yep. I think, I think one of the best mm-hmm. scenes of music in a movie ever. So here's why I'm glad you mentioned that. A, Chuck Berry just passed away. That's true. Right? R.I.P. B, but there's a, dark, there's a dark element to that pick, and I'll talk about that in a second. But B, Marty McFly for me was like tied with Indiana Jones as the coolest person that could ever exist ever. Yeah, this goes back to episode two, right? Yes, Talking exactly. A lot about that. And this is the coolest moment of that film where he's at the pinnacle of coolness. Yeah. Right? He's like, he yells to the band, it's a blues and B. Try to keep up. Try to keep up. And they're just like, no problem. Yeah. No problem. Got it. You know? My favorite part of that scene is when Marvin Berry... Yeah. Is listening to the solo. Right. Go, he's off stage. Picks up the phone. Right. Chuck, right. it's your cousin Marvin right. Berry. Right. You know he's the talking to Chuck Berry. Cousin, yeah, you know that yeah. sound you're looking for. Well, listen, listen to, to this. this. So here's the element. Well, it's a lot of little Easter eggs in that movie. Yeah. So we have an instance of a white suburban kid. Yeah. Come on. Stealing the cultural like music of a black performer. Yeah. Right. And it, there's that undertone there That's too. There. You know. And I love that. Like when he get like as the audience, we're loving it. Oh yeah. But the the the. Like the characters in the movie are dumbfounded. Yes. So much so that they're disgusted. They can't even believe what they're seeing. When he gets done, he's like, Yeah. Oh, I guess you aren't ready for that yet. Yeah. Well, he turns a corner and does like the Angus Young stuff and he kicks the amp over. It's yeah. just like you had them for a while yeah. and you lost them. He gets, he gets super rowdy. Yeah. Anyway, I agree. Back to the future. 
Great. Uh, 80s, what else you got? I got a couple other 80s ones, a couple that made it onto sort of my, my short list. One is, um, I don't know, what I forget what year, I think maybe mm-hmm. 86, the Tom Hanks vehicle, Big. Oh, sure. Um, this is one of my favorite music movie moments. So the scene is when Tom Hanks as Josh Baskin is like at FAO Schwartz with sure. his boss and they, oh, the they piano wander scene? over the giant piano yeah. and they play heart and soul and chopsticks. I just love this scene. Yeah. You know, it, it feels accidental mm-hmm. in the film and it is, but it's so scripted to mm-hmm. reveal character, yeah. you know, and it, and it, and it brings him closer to the boss and endears him to him. So it's like a transformative moment. Yeah. I like that a lot when, when music in a movie can actually like reveal and transform character. Yeah, I agree. And I also like when the the like the characters are actually like performing the music. Sure. It's like like in sure. Back to the Future. I think it's really sure. cool when when it's not just background. It's not soundtrack. Same thing it's, with like Ferris Bueller like when he's on the float like he's you know he's he's, he's lip syncing yeah, but like he's but it's in, a performance. Though. He's involved in it. He's interacting. Sure. So I like it when directors choose to have the characters interact with the music mm-hmm. and or to play it. Mm-hmm. So I love that one. Another 80s I mean, to me, a film that really stands out is The Big Chill. Mm -hmm. Do you know The Big Chill? I do, yeah. Um, You know, The Big Chill is is a great film. My Um, favorite uh, actor in that is Kevin Costner. Uh, by far great slit wrists at the beginning <laughs> yeah. is it, that is that how he dies is it a suicide yeah oh, oh yeah I missed that like the opening montage they're oh, like they're dressing the dead body and right. then at the very end of the montage you don't know how he died and then you they see cover the, up the stitched, wrists. you see the stitched wrist oh, and no they, they quickly cover it with the cuff right. of the shirt but I had heard that his face they had him in there and they cut it oh he was in there yeah and they were like sorry Kevin there was this big flashback yeah. scene right. and they just cut it yeah so He's like, guys, all, I can't wait to see the release. I'm yeah, in there. It's going to be killer. It's going to be awesome. I think my performance yeah. is really nuanced. Um, yeah, it's, it's why don't you just wait for the release on VHS, <laughs> Mr. Costner? So there's tons of great like Motown and 60s music because sure. that's the generation of the characters. Right. But there's two moments in particular. One is the opening montage, which is Marvin Gaye's Heard It Through the Grapevine. Kind of meet all the main characters and, mm-hmm. and kind of it's uncovered that their their good friend has died and then at the very end it's revealed that he's killed himself and then yeah. a short while later in the film at the at the funeral yeah they bring up one of the friends Karen who's, who's gonna, played by who uh, Joe Beth Williams okay and, and the priest you. says I know, that I know the film really well give us some so I know Glenn Close and Jeff Goldblum who else uh, William Hurt oh Kevin Klein Kevin Klein yeah okay um, did you say Glenn Close yes um, Jennifer Tilly oh yeah or, no, sorry Meg Tilly gorgeous Meg Tilly Tom Berenger oh um, That's Joe right. Beth Williams, Mary Kay Place. Okay, look at you. I know them. Did you audition for the movie? I know the movie really well. It's, one, <laughs> it's like cut? it's a top five movie. For okay, me. all right. But at the funeral, early in the film, Karen says Karen's now going to come and play one of Alex's, the dead guy's favorite yeah. songs, and she gets on the organ. Yeah. What does she play? The Rolling Stones can't always get what you want. Oh sure. And at first, it's just the organ, and then it fades up to the actual version of the song, which plays almost all the way through mm-hmm. like five minutes mm-hmm. the, and, and then it's in it's undercut with the characters talking on the way to the cemetery mm. great stuff all right you got anything else from, from the 80s or from that era that jumps to mind well you and i have spoken at length about the tom cruise vehicle top gun this is true many iconic yeah um if you had to pick one moment from the dozens in that movie what would you pick in, in the weirdest way, I've always been kind of partial to the volleyball scene. 
Well, that says a lot about you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Like yeah. the, I think a song is like playing with the boys or something. It's Kenny Loggins, like from you know, the, the yeah. soundtrack. But I think, the, I think the moment that really stands out is uh, The Righteous Brothers. Brothers. You've lost that love and feeling at the bar, which yeah. really is a great moment. Yeah. And it's another, it, to me, it's kind of back to that where the characters themselves are actually interacting with the music, yeah. which I really like. Because it, like, it, it, it shows that like, music isn't just... It's for, the, it's, for the, it's for the characters, too. Yeah. You know, everybody interacts with music. I got one for you. Okay. Um, I grew up and just loving this movie. It's a completely strange, disturbing movie in a lot of ways about the kidnapping of a child. But it is a Jim Henson movie. It's Labyrinth. Have you oh, seen Labyrinth? Of course. And the they, kid, a child. Yeah, yeah. It's a dark framework for that. Yeah. Movie. And the mu- I, I bought the soundtrack as like a 17-year-old. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go get Labyrinth today. It's unbelievable. There's some great songs in that. Fire Dance. Obviously, Power of the Babe. Um, That's right. Fantastic. The Babe with the Power. What Power? Power, the of, power voodoo. of Voodoo. Voodoo? Voodoo? You voodoo. do. <laughs> Do what? The power of the babe. Doesn't really answer the question of no. doing what. It great, just goes great back cod to piece the... on David Bowie. Yeah. 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 Um, so I love that. And I mean, we could go on and on about the 80s, but I, I want to push into some other territory here. Can we I can do always one, go can back. Do, can I do one more 80s? Sure. Um, a, a darker film, uh, Platoon. Oh, yeah. Has a couple of great, great sure. movie moments, uh, music moments. But, but one in particular that I like a lot is like... Um, they can picture it like it's kind of like after Charlie Sheen is like getting broken in and he's like meeting all the guys and he's still he's still the, he's still the newbie mm-hmm. but then they bring him down to their like little pot den where they're mm-hmm. all hanging out mm-hmm. and they're like who else is there is Berenger there uh, Berenger's not there but Willem Dafoe is there yeah. and for, is Kevin Bacon in that movie he is um, a young Kevin Bacon isn't is he? he wow I thought there maybe. was a young or I think Johnny Depp's in there somewhere maybe oh no is it Matt Dillon I'm thinking Matt about Dillon it. that's who it is yeah yeah but um okay. So they, you know, they give him some weed and like they, they indoctrinate him like into their sort of like club, and and it shows them dealing with the stress of war mm-hmm. through drugs and through you know kind of escapism. Mm-hmm. But they're listening to music, and at one point, Smokey Robinson's, um, I think it's Tracks of My Tears oh, comes on, okay. and and the Charlie Sheen character sitting on the sidelines, and they they invite him over to kind of sing along and dance with them, and it's this camaraderie moment, this 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 piece of sort of like brightness and camaraderie among like the constant fear of war. It's a very powerful moment. I feel like all Vietnam movies have that element of music and camaraderie, from like Forrest Gump. Yeah, to that's I right. Mean, God, you know, Forrest Gump has so many apocalypse. Na- I mean, all different. Um, yeah. All different war movies seem to use, like uh, Private Ryan is obviously that, World War II. Is? Well, I think with Vietnam, it's like the 60s rock explosion and kind of the cultural counterculture mixes perfectly with that yeah. um, anti-war movement and the, we don't want to be here, but we were drafted and now we're here. You know, that seems to line up. Whereas World War II was like, we're volunteering or not volunteering, but we are, the war was more accepted as a cultural thing we have to go do. We have to go beat Hitler and Mussolini. And, well, and the you know. soundtrack of World War II is much different. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's jazz. It's classical. It's like when you watch a World War II film, you don't expect that same kind of like soundtrack connotation. Yeah. Whereas like when, yeah, when you just interact with Vietnam, you immediately hear the you doors. Hear, you hear Neil Young. You what's hear, the, uh, what's the you know. Forrest Gump scene where it's like fortunate son when the chopper's landing? Oh, yeah. That where you hear CCR. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so there's perfect pairing of moments, yeah. you know, and, and... I mean, war and music is a whole separate sub-genre we could talk about, too. But. The opening of Apocalypse Now, or maybe not the opening, but the Flight of the Valkyries. Oh, sure. I yeah. think when the helicopters are, like, dropping the... Like, dun 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 Like, that's pretty intense. Even yeah. Actually, the opening of that film is the Doris song, The End. Oh, right. This yes. is the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, I think those directors are having a lot of fun. I mean, to me, like, a guy like... Um, 
Tarantino mm. is inheriting that like tradition of like letting music really take on its own life and role. Mm. You know what I mean? So you think about like the way that that like Tarantino uses music like in mm. Pulp Fiction and in Reservoir Dogs. Like there's such an iconic scene in Reservoir Dogs where he's torturing the cop and cutting the ear off. The Steeler's with, Wheel song. Was stuck right, in the middle yeah, with you. Right. I mean, to me, like without Scorsese, without yeah. Coppola, and honestly, without like Woody Allen and the way that they consciously like use music yeah. to like transform scene. Yeah. You don't get like what Tarantino does with it. That's what it is. It, it transform it's part of the narrative of the movie. Right. It's not furniture. It is the the character. It's part of the character that they're interacting with. You know, or it is yeah. a character they're interacting with. In What's interesting way. about that that ear severing scene is that like the song is on the radio. So again, it's yes. another example yes. of the characters interacting with the right. music. It's not just score. So I got someplace I want to push you to. Okay. Nineteen ninety three. Okay. All right. I go to the movies with, I can't even remember with whom I attend the movies, okay? But I'm there. Do you have a 93 lined up there? You're looking at your notes? What do you uh, got? I'm looking at my notes. I, I can't no think of a 93. All right. Hold I, on. I, I got an idea. Okay. But but let's see if I'm right. John Williams Ooh, no, writes the score right. for this. Okay. 93. 93. John I see Williams. Jurassic Park in, in the theater, okay? Which and is absolutely terrifying. By the way, well, when you're like you know, eleven years old, still yeah. kind of scary. I watched it not too old. long. It's yeah. like still like pretty intense. Uh, yeah, it's like not a light movie. No, not at all. Um, and apparently, a lot of the violence is cut out from the book. I read the book when I was like twelve. I was like, oh, I should go see this, you know. And the book's pretty dark. Good book. Great book. Um, the first time that um, the two doctors, played by Laura Dern and Sam Neill, well played, um, when they see the Brachiosaurus. Yeah. And the theme from Jurassic Park swells up. Yeah. Na, na. yeah. I was just like, I was. Ex- da, na, yeah. Da, na, na. <laughs> I can hear it. Yes. I was experiencing in my movie seat the same awe they were seeing the dinosaur. I was like, because I had never seen special effects like that ever. No, it's incredible. Ever. I was like, that's a fucking dinosaur yeah. on the film right now. You yes, know? So you feel the same level of like crazy, like, right. wow, as the right. characters feel. And that, that music brings to life the awe of that moment you know and, and that's that, the genius of great oh, film composers i think is they right. are able to like pair melody with emotion yes and i would say john williams is maybe the best if not he's definitely the most famous definitely the most famous, but i think for a reason though yeah. i mean he also has luxury of having the spielberg connection in all those films but, but it's, i mean spielberg wouldn't keep going back to him just for the hell of it i mean from I mean, jaw how simple is jaws that melody yeah. You know what I mean? And dun, like, dun, dun, dun. but how effective is that? It's incredibly effective. Um, I mean, I think also to me, maybe Indiana Jones is also like right up there. What does that communicate to you? The minute you hear that, it's like, I see him on a horse, right? Just like bombing through like but some I mean, like arid landscape with a whip <laughs> and a big hat. And yeah, he's just arid, like, he's going yeah. to punch somebody and it's going to sound like the loudest yeah. punch you've ever heard. Like, it is a lot of arid landscapes he's dealing with. Very arid. He has not that much water ever. I mean, I guess he's, he's in but, the, yeah. I guess he's in the rainforest or the jungle in the beginning of Raiders. But other than that, it's pretty yeah. arid. Well, Temple of Doom is pretty... That's true, underground. Yeah. But, you know... It's, but in Crusade, it's just dry. So dry. Um, so dry. I mean, what adjectives... When you hear the dun-dun-dun-dun, what adjectives come to mind? It's like heroic. Heroic, adventure. Right? Yeah. Almost, I hate to say it, almost patriotic. I mean, there yeah. is kind of a patriotic thing about Indiana Jones. He's fighting the Nazis. It's kind of a propaganda a little yeah. bit, a fun propaganda film. I think he's film. born out of that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think all those words. And then, like, you know, the score for Star Wars has, oh. you know, I think similar connotations. Right. And um, similar with uh, the Imperial March, Darth Vader. It's immediately menacing. It's immediately 
like a Nazi film. Yeah. You know, dun, 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 all that, you know, are there other, um, are there other scores that you feel connected to or that come to mind? I mean, obviously like almost every film has a score, but are there yeah. others that you feel a kinship to for one reason or another? Um, I got, I guess define score. I guess I mean instrumental um, music, not instrumental music, yeah. recurrent themes, yeah. you know, things that come back. Um, wow, you know, I mean, incidental music that is not being created or interacted with by the characters, I think is what I think of as score for the most part. What do you got? I mean, I'm kind of like, I love the whole John Williams catalog. You There's know? a couple of more nuanced, kind of like more minimalist scores. One I really love is the film Rushmore. I don't know if you know the West Anderson movie, yeah. Rushmore. Yeah, really um, former Devo star Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh Mother, yeah. is, is like a really great film composer. And I love the score of Rushmore quite mm-hmm. a bit. And also American Beauty. Oh, that's right. It's got like, I don't know if it's like vibes or whatever. That's what what right. instrument? It's very minimal, but dun, 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 dun. I mean, yes. I can't quite sing it, but like. It's haunting. It's very haunting and yeah. it's so sparse and it mirrors, I think, like the emotional like vacuum of like suburban life that's portrayed. I don't I, think it would make it, it wouldn't make any sense to have a big 80 piece orchestra for that film. I think it would have. It would cloud it, it up. It would have crowded it up. up. I yeah. love that the yeah. director. Um, Sam uh, Mendes. Sam Mendes. Yeah. Decided yeah. to go with something sparser, more modern. Yeah. More innocuous. I'm glad you brought that up because when you said that all I could picture in that scene was the scene when um, Kevin Spacey finally like kind of seduces Mira. What's her name? It's Mira something. Sor- right? No, Sor- not Sorvino. Yeah, Mira uh, Sorvino. Isn't Sorvino? That, isn't that her? Sure. Okay, let's just go with that, you know? That's not, but let's try it. Mira Sorvino is like an older... Is she? Yeah. She was oh. in the Woody Allen movie where she played the oh. prostitute. And so, what, she won the Oscar. So the girl I know who, who you mean. Yeah, though. okay, the girl, right? Who plays the cheerleader. Yes, okay. and Annie Lennox's version of Neil Young's Don't Let It Bring You Down is playing right. with the rain on the windows. It's yeah. just gorgeous. That is a gorgeous, gorgeous. scene. Yeah. I also like the scene where he's like, he's jogging, and he's mm-hmm. like, I want to look good naked. I forget what song. It's like... <laughs> Is it American Woman? I forget what song he's um, playing. Maybe and like, uh, is it Scott Bakula? He's a uh, a gay man with his with his lover exactly. next door. They're, he's like, wait, he's like, hey guys, you know, they're like, yeah. he's like up and at him, going, you know. Can I switch gears completely? Yeah, go for it. What do you this got? is like I, a, a moment just came into my head uh, that I wanted to share before I forgot it, which is um, Jerry Maguire. Oh sure. Um, I also kind of like the score for that movie too. I don't, I can't like sing it in my head, but I, I remember liking the music in that. But I love the scene when. Jerry Maguire's leaving the house after he's he's re-signed the number one draft pick. Cuba? No. Oh, um, the, the, the football, football player. Before play, it all falls apart, right? yeah, when yeah. he thinks it's going When great. Jay Moore steps in and steals him away. That yeah, but before yeah. that, he's leaving the house and he's in the car uh-huh. and he wants to sing along to something. Oh, And so he's like changing radio sure. stations and first it's like the Rolling Stones is and bitch like, nah. and he's like, nah, and then it's like, just call me Angel. <laughs> and then finally he hits on Tom Petty's Free, Free Fallen, Fallen and it's just like, yes. Yeah. It's like, it's that moment when you're in the car yes. and you are changing radio stations and it just lands on the moment what of the song. Wanted, yeah. It's exactly what you want to hear. But I love that moment because yeah. I feel like that's been me right. 50 times. Right. You know, you just need a great song right now. Yeah. And sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. All right, so let's change tacks a little bit. Right. Um, what would you think about maybe talking about directors for a moment? Because I think there's a lot of directors that are known for, yeah. for choosing music 
well and mm-hmm. pairing music well with with their cinema. Do you have any directors in mind that you feel drawn to or you think or think are really good at that? I mean, not a, a huge list that I could speak about intelligently, but certainly Martin Scorsese. Yeah, he's I think up there. Yeah, um, and I mean, you know, if you go to any list of like best movie moments ever, what's the number one you're going to bump into? Is the Layla. Goodfellas, scene, the, the Goodfellas, the finding the dead body scene. Yeah, where Derek there's the and the one dominoes, in the, meat, the meat locker, the meat locker, there's the one the, in the garbage truck. The, dump, the, the guy's like, stop, 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 and the bodies tumble out. Um, what do you make of the choice of? And it, well, let's let's be clear though. Yeah, it's not like it's not the main part of Layla. It's no, the, it's, it's the, the piano, piano breakdown. Exit, yeah, so it's yeah, it's the piano exit. It's not mm. it's not like the guitar. Got me on my knees. It's none of that. Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's the piano outro. Mm-hmm. choice well again when i asked you what adjectives you were feeling with the harrison ford indiana jones the same thing i think applies but the adjectives are like an ending is happening it's an ending it's it's transitioning right it's transitional music and uh, a little I, i read some research on this that scorsese wanted to in that film only use songs that could have been actually heard at that time so mm. earlier in the film when henry hill's younger you hear a lot of doo-wop stuff from the street corners and earlier oh, stuff cool. and then you wouldn't he wouldn't have allowed layla to come in unless you could have heard that in 1977 yeah. or whatever in the 70, 73 i think right so i think sometimes directors know. will choose to like deliberately defy expectations too and they'll they'll deliberately pair mm-hmm against what you would expect yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if you're showing dead bodies i don't know that you would expect the outro to layla so i think it yeah i think it it it, it like it changes the, it makes you sit up and take notice yeah it changes the feel of the scene a little bit there's a great movie by spike lee called he got game with mm-hmm. denzel washington mm-hmm. a young ray allen plays oh. this kid jesus shuttlesworth yeah anyway there's all these really there there's all these really awesome basketball sequences which yeah. are almost all shot like in urban environments mm-hmm. and so you would expect hip-hop yeah almost certainly not even close he chooses all aaron copeland great american composer all his like western billy the kid themes no kidding is what spike lee uses in those scenes and like i remember him talking about it and saying like basketball is an american sport like who is more american than aaron copeland he's yeah. like and i also wanted to like get people to like see it in a different way mm-hmm. and to like go against expectations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but to me that's a little bit what's going on in that layla moment you get to see it in a new light and, yeah. and visit it in a new light by it not being what you would expect you you kind of open your eyes a little wider yeah i think in some ways yeah that's cool what are some other scorsese moments do you think um i mean casino's got some great moments yeah like some sinatra moments i yeah. think um, a lot of those, like Phil Spector's uh, girl group stuff, yeah. uh, the Shirelles, the Ronettes, um, certainly Tarantino's stuff. I mean, just specifically in Pulp Fiction. I mean, there's like four iconic songs just used in Pulp Fiction. There sure. is um, there's the uh, Girl You'll Be Woman Soon. Interesting, it's not OD'd. the original. It's, it's the, the Urge right. Overkill cover of the, of the, Neil, of the Diamond. Neil Diamond jam. I think it's the, it's the OD scene, right? Yes, She's ODing. It is. Um, there's and the dancing scene at, at the yes. at the at the diner, What's which it? is uh, the Chuck Berry song. You never can tell at the diner when well, like, yeah, when they go out for Honey Bunny, like that's the robbery scene. No, or? it's it's when Mia and Vincent are out and they're having like the five dollars oh, shake, sure, sure, and sure, she's sure, like, sure. "I want to yeah. dance and I want to win." 
will you dance with me? And right? he's like, yeah. no. And then he does. Yeah. And it's great. Right. And it's that Chuck Berry song. You never yeah. can tell. There's the scene, I can't remember what it is, but when um, Butch and uh, Vincent Vega kind of get kidnapped. No, not Vincent. Butch and uh, what's the Ving Rhames character? Um, Marcel Marcel's Walls. Walls. Yeah. yeah. Get kidnapped. There's something playing oh, in the right. shop there, and I can't remember what it is. Even just the but... opening credits, that yes. intense surf rock. Yes. Yeah. Dick Dale, I think Yeah, the Dick Dale, Dick Dale thing. Yeah, of course. The Dick Dale song. Yeah. Even the beginning of, of Reservoir Dogs, yep. Little Green Bag. You know, that, I that love by? that soundtrack. I forget the name of the yeah. artist, but like just Tarantino's got a real knack. Yes. And a lot of people feel like he's derivative for Scorsese, but I sure. think he's got his own style. Yeah, but it's all in the, it's the, the part of the conversation moving it forward of what you do with film and movies yeah i don't know what do you who do you like for directors you know i'm really partial to woody allen if you've listened to this podcast you've probably heard me talk I know about, woody that allen about you yeah often kind of like we talk about paul mccartney yeah. i talk about woody allen a lot how many movies ballpark within 10 does he have you think out of woody allen yeah i mean woody allen has made a film a year yeah basically since 1968 so we're talking about 40 this plus guy's movies. made over 40 movies he's, okay. he's, he makes a movie every single year and you, almost without have fail. you seen them all I've seen like 98% of them. I think maybe right. there's like three to four I have not seen. If I just said right now you have 10 seconds, what, what are the top three best ones he's made? I can't do it. Because, because they, what's on the, they, they what's, fall into such different categories. What like, just popped into your head when I said that? Um, you know, Annie Hall, Hannah yep. and Her Sisters, yep. um, Stardust Memories, All Purple right. Rose of Cairo, right. um, Sweet and Low Down. Um, match point. Okay. Um, crimes. Did I say crimes and misdemeanors already? No. The curse um, of the Jade Scorpion. No. No, no love for that one. Ouch. <laughs> but but Woody Allen is, I think, a masterful yep. pairer of of um, music and film. Why? And he's very partial to to jazz music and to classical. I just think he puts a lot of thought into it. Yeah. The stories, you know, that he's got a huge room full of like a thousand records, and yeah. that you know when he's cutting the film, he will just like sit and just just pull records off the shelf, listen to it, think about the aesthetic components of the movie, mm-hmm. and just put a lot of thought and emotion into choosing great themes. Mm-hmm. You know great songs to go with it. Um, I also love jazz music, so I'm a sucker for what he's going to choose anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but two of my favorites are Manhattan, mm-hmm. a film from 1979, which features all Gershwin music. There's a great long intro, which features um, Rhapsody in Blue mm-hmm. and part of the themes from Rhapsody in Blue, while it's also showing images of New York City and then the voiceover of, a voiceover of the character. I, just, I think it's maybe his best, mm-hmm. his best moment. Okay. And then uh, one of my favorite Woody Allen movies is a movie called Sweet and Low Down, which mm-hmm. is about a guitar player played by Sean Penn. I still haven't seen this movie. It's so it. fantastic. Yeah. And it's set during the 30s. And this guy thinks he's the best guitar player in the world, except for Django Reinhardt. And he's like totally intimidated oh, by the idea gotcha. of Django. So it's got a gypsy jazz feel. Yep. And there's some just great moments. There's a great moment where he plays the standard Limehouse blues in a club. And he's kind of this like boorish buffoon, yeah. this character, whose name is Emmett Ray. Yep. And for the first like 10 minutes of the movie, you don't understand what what's the appeal. He's kind of funny and ridiculous and embarrassing and he's lazy. And then there's this moment where he gets up on stage and he's got a guitar in his hand and he starts playing mm-hmm. and it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And it's just genius. It's yeah. like, oh, that's why, that's why this movie's about him. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like a faux documentary. Gotcha. It's because he's this like genius guitar player. Gotcha.
Um, so I think Woody Allen is particularly right. gifted at, at pairing music with film. I got one that you'll like. Okay. Uh, a little movie in 1997 called Goodwill Hunting by Gus Van Zandt. Yeah, Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith Thank features prominently much. on the soundtrack. He does indeed. And the song Between the Bars, which we had talked about way back yeah. in the day, is during the scene when he and Skylar kind of first have sex and they spend the night together. Oh, right. Know? And they're, they're kind of like in bed and it's like this very, the camera's kind of like weird angles and you're, it's kind of like wrapped up with their bodies and it's weird, but it's like very faintly in the background, beautiful. And then in the ending credits when Robin Williams gets the note in his mailbox from Will saying, yeah. I went to go see about a girl. What starts to come on is Miss, Miss Misery. Misery and the car just driving off on Route 90 and, and heading west is gorgeous. That's a good one. Um, you know, Elliot Smith, like, I think really imprints the tone of that. Absolutely. You know, so like that, you know, if you're Gus Van Zandt, like the, that choice is so huge. Yeah. You right. know, because you could have chosen the Rolling like, Stones and that would have completely changed <laughs> exactly. that movie. Exactly. Completely changed it. It makes it, it makes it more intimate. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes it into there's a movie called Lost in Translation. Sure. Um, you know, with Bill Murray and Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson from whatever, 15 years ago that, yeah. that uh, it's not one songwriter or composer, but it's got kind of like um, the, the song choices like really feed the tone. There's the a film. there's a band feature in that soundtrack, a band I love called My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, sure. And it's super distorted and super thick. And it's a it's a band that really, if you listen to their album called Loveless, you can immediately hear where Billy Corgan got his entire aesthetic yeah. for Smashing Pumpkins. You know, it's like, oh, I'll have fourteen electric guitars at full volume playing overdumbed over each other, you know? And it's That's awesome. I love it. A great scene from that movie is um there's a karaoke scene. Oh yeah. Where uh, Bill Murray does uh, Peace, Love, and Understanding, or like, What's So Funny? Oh, yeah. I was going to tell him. But right before that, Scarlett Johansson, I forget the name of the song, but I think it's yeah. a Blondie song where it's like, Going to use my arms, going to use my legs. Like, I'm special. You know that song? Oh, that's um, Bonnie Raitt, isn't it? Going to give you, going gonna, to gonna uh, make you, make, make you, you notice. notice. That's Bonnie Raitt? Isn't it? It's I not it was Blondie. It's not Bonnie Raitt. Is it Blondie? I thought it was Blondie. Going to use my arms. Oh, going to use, use my, my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. Gonna use my, my, my hesitation. Yeah. That whole thing. Whoever yeah. it is, great song. Yeah. It's and neither I, Blondie nor Bonnie Ray. Maybe it's neither. <laughs> so it. Somebody help us out out there. It's Chrissy Hines, isn't it, from The Pretenders? That could be. We have no idea who the singer of the song. It's, it's somebody like that. Yeah, though. okay. It's somebody like that. I think it might be Blondie. Is it? Okay, I, let's just I go with Blondie. You, I, I think you're usually right about these things. I don't know. So. Um, there's one moment that, that to me is maybe my favorite music movie moment ever. All right. And you know, it was, it was, it was in my top five for sure, and it's from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to guess what it is? Well, I know you're not a man who goes for the obvious, so I'm going to guess it's not Sam playing as time goes by. Right. So that's the most famous yeah. you know, song that's associated with Casablanca. Right. Also a great song. Great song. And it easily could have been you know, the, right. one, the one to talk about because the idea of this song is like such an emotional trigger yeah. for these two characters. First of all, it's, it's a little far-fetched that a song could just so you know drive him to drink, just hearing it like, oh my God, it brings him back. If she can stand it, so can I. Right. Of all the gin joints in yeah. all the world. Let me ask you, know? you this. How old is Bogey supposed to be in that movie? The character Rick. How old is he supposed to be? The character Rick, I think, is supposed 45? to be 45? Like, I think even maybe younger than that. I think maybe 40? Late, late 30s. Really? But he owns a gin joint. Late 30s. Yeah. In, uh, in Morocco. Okay. 
I'll buy it. You know, because he was involved in the resistance a little bit. He ran guns to France or he whatever. Money, so I don't, yeah. He's not old. What do you do if you're running guns? What do you do? I think you're you're like you're a shipping gun. I think, like, yeah, hey, I, th- I got the guns. I you think ordered. you are like bootlegging guns. Yeah, probably, right. probably to like freedom fighters yeah. illegally. You're like buying. You're like maybe an, an intermediary. But the moment is a, is a really patriotic moment. It's a moment uh, where it's the French national anthem. Yeah. I don't know if you can picture the scene, but the, the resistance leader who's Ilsa's husband, Victor Laszlo, yeah. who we've heard is this like transformative leader of the resistance against the Nazis. The Nazis are in the bar and they're singing some like Heil Hitler anthem right. that you're just disgusted by, even though it's in German. You're just like, you know it's you can bad. Tell. It's bad you know stuff. it's bad. And he bombs out of Rick's office, goes over to the band. And he's like, play, mom, play La Marseillaise, play it. <laughs> and then, you know, they start playing it and the whole room just starts singing. Yeah. And they yeah, shout yeah. down the Germans. And it's like yeah. the, the song wins, like yeah. freedom wins. So how do the Germans stop? It's like, all right, we'll they're, they're trying to sing and they just yeah. they look around eventually and realize like, that they're ah, being shit. shouted down. Yeah. And like, oh, damn it. Yeah. So they sit down and, and do some hiles. Yeah. But to me, it's just it's just an incredible moment. Yeah. Uh, I even read that there were like French refugees on set. This was mm-hmm. filmed during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was like some personal stake for some of the extras who were like singing along. Yeah. So like the impassioned, yeah. you know, per- portrayal of it is no accident. Makes me always feel kind of like just like a whiny son of a bitch. Yeah. When like... Come on. Now I'm like, oh, like, oh, taxes are due. So uh, I'm so but tired like, from work today. Yeah, but then it's like you watch the opening scene of like Saving Private Ryan. It's like, yeah. oh, well, okay, you guys just go out the into the machine gun about? fire and just try to be okay. <laughs> it's like ridiculous what people dealt with, you know? You know, what we haven't talked about that I think we got to talk about is, is Eye the Tiger. Survivor. Yeah, I mean, talk about yeah. pairing of song and character. I mean, I don't know that I can think of. Yeah. Maybe you can think of something. I don't know that I can think of a pairing of song and character that is so iconically linked. Uh, maybe Staying Alive with Travolta? Maybe. Yeah, that was just one film, though. Yeah, you know, yeah probably. Yep. You're right. I think when you hear Staying Alive, you picture the that character scene, walking yeah. down the street and, yeah. and the disco scene. But like when you when you hear Rock, when you hear, I, I even said when you hear Rocky, yeah. when you hear Eye of the Tiger, yeah. which I guess was written by Stallone's request. I didn't realize that. I looked, he approached I looked, Survivor? I think, I'm pretty sure this is true. <laughs> You can't think of anything else yeah. but the underdog Rocky when you hear that song, right? Uh, I mean, no. I'm, I, yeah, I think it's a phenomenal... So I don't like the song. I like the yeah, song I mean, in the movie, how yeah, it's I mean, used. It, although I got to say, if it, if it comes on like you know, the, the classic Rocky, I don't turn it off. Yeah. I'll sing along. It's catchy. Yeah. Do you know that Frank Stallone is in the movie? He's, he's one of the street corner guys singing doo-wop, his brother, Frank Stallone. Good old Frankie. Yeah. yeah. Lesser known Stallone. The lesser known Stallone. Lesser known Stallone. Um, what else you got? We've covered a lot of ground here. Um, Look, looking just, at my master list. I wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite movies of all time that's all about music. The mockumentary, This Is Spinal Tap. Oh, of course. Pick a, name a song title. Just the name titles of the songs. Hellhole. Sex, is it Sex Farm Woman? I think it's I think Sex it's, Farm Woman. Okay. <laughs> walking on a, no, I think it's just Sex Farm. I think it's Sex Farm. Yeah. Like, walking on, on a sex, sex farm. farm. Plowing your meat field, whatever I said, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Of course. Big Bottom. Big Bottom. Yeah. I mean... Amazing soundtrack. Uh, Should we talk musicals for a minute? I mean, that's a whole other camp. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I mean, musicals... I love musicals. Uh, I don't know that many, but the ones I do know... I feel like it's such easy pickings because there's so many great moments from every 
musical. Okay, like, how about this catchiest musical song? Just as in terms of like, oh, I'd put it on without watching the movie. Just catchiest song that you love. Catchiest. Yeah. Is there one that you just think is a great song crafted? Well, crafted I mean, song. I mean, the um, the musical of, of the moment for me is Hamilton. So yeah. I think there's a number of songs in there that I would just choose to listen yes. to. Yes, you're a junkie with that though. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. But I, hmm, that's a good one. That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like there's some, some, I feel like I would listen to selections of like West Side Story without watching the film. I think Rent's got some catchy stuff. I think Rent's got some really catchy stuff. I'll be honest with you. I joked off air a second ago about Newsies. I think Newsies has a hot soundtrack. It does. Seize the day. Come on. I think Chicago. Yeah. A chorus line. I think there's, there's a number of musicals that I think I would listen to selections of. Singing in the Rain. Yeah. American in Paris. You know, like, I mean, to me, it's, it's going to be tough to top Donald O'Connor doing Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain. As like To me, that's maybe like that's the best the, mu- like yeah. musical moment like ever. Well, I mean, I think I, I could top it right now. I think I could top it. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, I mean, thanks. come on. Thanks a lot. Come on. Or like yeah. The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. Yeah, right. I mean, give me a right, break. Right, right, top. right. Even something like, you know, that's not really a musical, but it's more like in the Spinal Tap vein, mm-hmm. like Dirty Dancing. Which I think isn't yeah. a musical per se, but right. it is because it's, it's it's musical, but it's not a yeah. musical. Footloose in the same category. Footloose is in the same category, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't, it, it wasn't scored as a musical. Yeah, it's like you know, it's it's a compilation album. Okay, but I think it's you know, okay. I think I almost think of Dirty Dancing maybe because there's so much dancing. I almost think of it as a musical. So to me, some of those scenes, like Time of My Life at the End, mm-hmm. is that iconic scene. You know, the scene where they're rehearsing in the studio, yes. where it's like, oh, Sylvia. Yeah. Yep. You know, whatever that song is. How um, about, could you pick, like, the a famous scene and song that you think rises above? You know, have we, have we already, have, is that well-worn territory? Scene and song? Scene and song together. Like, oh, the part of this movie where this song's playing is the most iconic or one of the most. Well, we've, I think we've already covered a lot of those scenes, to be yeah. honest with you. But, but We're missing one. But one we haven't said that just came to mind when you said that is from the 1983 vehicle, Risky Business. Uh-huh. Where Tom Cruise is singing uh, old time rock and roll in his underwear. Yep. And he's just playing air guitar. Yep. To me, that's like. Okay. That really stands out to me. I agree. It fits the description of what you just said. I'll see that and I'll raise you one. Okay. I think. You tell me if it's a raise or not. I think it's 1990, maybe 91. Ghost, Unchained Melody. I think you're right. That's up there. The pottery scene. The pottery scene. That's huge. That's big time. That's a big scene. That's big time. Yeah, I mean, I think to double back, I think that um, Back to the Future, the Johnny B. Johnny Good B. scene, Good. I think is, is in that camp. Yeah, tough to separate that. You know, even like um, we've talked about this moment before. I forget on what episode, but Amadeus, we talked oh, about where he talks, yes. and then an oboe, an oboe floating, just floating above. <laughs> you know, where, yeah. where he's talking about Salieri. Mozart. Yeah, Salieri is like reminiscing about Mozart. I mean, to me, there's some there's some stuff in there. Um, 
I mean, we covered a lot of ground here. There's so many iconic moments. Oh, you know what's another one like that? What do you got? That's in the in the camp that we're talking about right now is, is the Wayne's World Bohemian Rhapsody scene oh in the God, car. Sure. To me, that's a similar sure. similar kind of thing. Where sure. it's just I like remember. there's something so fun and sweet and yes. awesome and just perfect about it. Right. And you know like I think I read something where after that came out the sales of Bohemian Rhapsody just went to the roof oh, yeah. again. You know? People then, people rediscovered that yes. or, or discovered it. I think for me it was discovering it. I'll yeah. tell you another one that just came to mind, yeah. uh, Napoleon Dynamite. The song? Just Dance by Jamiroquai. Oh. At the end of the talent show sure. when Pedro like loses his nerve and Napoleon goes out and saves his ass and dances his butt off. Okay. It's, right. it's Jamiroquai yeah. doing Just Dance. That's right. That's another like one of those scenes, I think. To me, the Reservoir Dogs uh, torture scene That's stuck in there. the middle with you That's is in that there. same. Is in that same. Oh, here's another one. Yeah, I got, we got one more. All right. And then maybe we'll start wrapping this up. There's a movie called Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, sure. You know this movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, the ending scene. So like they're on their way to the to the to the beauty the pageant, beauty pageant yeah. and the guys the grandfather's dead. Alan Arkins died already he, or not? I think he has died already at that yeah. point. And so they, they finally get to the beauty pageant. The little girl Olive mm-hmm. is entered into it, and she's so clearly the misfit. Yes, you got these little like perfect little doll like girls, and Jean then Bonnet there's her, Ramsey, yeah, who has yeah. no makeup on, and like her hair is just whatever, and like she gets up and she does basically like a striptease right. to Rick James, super freak. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. and the talent show like coordinators trying to shut her down, and then. Like the the angry mom is like, you get your daughter off the stage, yeah. and she's like, what is she doing? And he goes, she's kicking ass. That's what yeah. she's doing. And then eventually, the whole yeah. family joins her on stage, and they yeah. all start dancing along to yeah. kind of bail her out because she's embarrassing herself, right? And so they all get up there and just start dancing with her. It turns it turns a triumph. To me, like that's that. just a great a great yeah. scene. A young Paul Dano. Yes, Greg Kinnear. Yeah, uh, Tony Collette. Who's that? I believe is the mom, British actress. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, quick a quick mention because this is a whole can of worms. One Disney movie. Oh, stop! Film. But we haven't talked at all about Disney. Just one. You How can have we you not can pick about one Disney? that you think is like this song is badass. What song do you pick? You got one. That's it. I mean, one. I get one. I mean, honestly, like even though I don't think it's like. By any stretch, an all-time great like song, mm-hmm. the the bare necessities song from Jungle Book really came to mind for some reason. I just love that moment where Blue is singing the bare necessities. I don't think I can do um, another one from Little Mermaid. Which one? I think either Under the Sea, yeah, or where or somewhere up there, whatever it is, when she's like fantasizing yeah. about being on the sea. Okay, Kiss like, the Girl is pretty good. Kiss the Girl is pretty great. Um, I mean, I think you're missing the the ringer here, but we'll throw it out. Well, I think Tales All This Time is up there, Beauty and the Beast, personally. Sure. Yeah, th- that might be uh, that might be the one. But I think the golden goose here is Elton John, Circle of Life, or Can You Feel the Love Tonight, baby? Come no, on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm what? Not, not Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Are you kidding maybe, me? Maybe Circle of Life. I'll t- I mean, I don't no. know. Is that an Elton John, though? Does he do Circle of Life? Uh, yes. He, he doesn't perform them in the movie, but he but wrote that's them his, both. that's his yeah, song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are obviously like classic. Does Let It Go even enter enter the conversation? I think it has to. Yeah. I don't love that song, but come on. I mean, that was a phenomenon. Catchy tune. That was a phenomenon. Yeah. You know, even to go like to the Pixar side, like, you know, to me, Randy Newman is, oh, is, a, sure. is a great film composer. Yes. You know, so you got a friend of me from Toy Story. Yes. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Disney's got some gems. Yep. Absolutely. You know. Favorite song from Beauty and the Beast? You think it's Beauty and the Beast? Um, no, I wouldn't. I, I just love that tune. I like Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest is great. That's fantastic. I also loved, um, what's it called from Aladdin? It's like Street Rat. Oh, yeah. Riff Rap. Street Rat. That one is like. Me too. Yeah. Um, There's a reason they're Disney. 
Yes, exactly. Even, even I mean, come on, even like from Mary Poppins, like Spoonful oh of Sugar. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, or like the Dick yep. Van Dyke, whatever he's like, the one-man band song, whatever he's singing. <laughs> what he's in the or no, pop- on the Chimney Top, the Chimney Sweep song. Oh, Chimney Sweep song, what song? yeah. Chim Chimney. Chim Chimney. Yeah, Chim Chim Or Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, what's his deal? Who, Dick Van Dyke? What? No, I mean, he's Bert. Awesome. Bert. What's, Bert, he, what's his a, occupation? Chimney he's Sweep. sweep trying, slash one-man band. Trying to get with Mary Poppins. Yeah. Having limited success Mary. at first. Yeah. <laughs> It's like he's just all around, just smiling, smiling guy. Does he have a home? Do we know that? Is he like I mean, he works a job? I think presumably he lives somewhere. <laughs> he dresses fairly Maybe well. He lives like in a dormitory with the other chimney sweeps. <laughs> Some kind of barracks. <laughs> yeah, it's not bar- all right. he's not living high in the hog. She's an attractive nanny, Mary Poppins. She yes, yeah, she was so very he's attractive, and, and she can fly. Her. Yeah, also which is also a, an added bonus, a pretty awesome characteristic. Um, I don't know. I think we should start wrapping this up, but. I don't know this was kind of fun to talk about. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this conversation is that I think a lot of it is is based on taste and generational and emotional connection. Emotional connection. I think yeah. I think we probably talked mostly about movies that we really like. Yeah. And you know, stuff that we grew up watching. I think a lot of it's there. And and a lot of what I grew up watching was not just what was on in the 80s, but what my parents liked. Mm-hmm. So, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think a lot of my association with this stuff comes through that mm. and through that angle. So, like, if this was, like, two 60-year-olds having this conversation, I'll bet they would have a, a whole, whole different, different list, yeah. you know, of what felt like them. No, that's it. Or that's yeah. what I would think of. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. maybe it's more big band scores or I don't know what. Um, huh. Well, this could go on and on. Um, I think there's no doubt that, that you know, I think I think if there's any point we've proven, it's that, like, music plays a pivotal role in the experience of cinema. Yes. And there's a reason that it does. Yeah. Because it really resonates. Look how much we remember. Right. And look how it alters your experience of a film, of right. characters, right. you know, of a director. And so directors who know and love music, I think, have more successful films and, and products that they make. Yeah. You know. This is kind of fun to talk about. Well, good stuff. A little all over the place. A little sprawling, I yeah. think. No well, doubt about it. Yeah, it was kind of like a jazz riff, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um so thanks for being game for this one. Yeah, thanks for bringing all that you brought to the table. All right. All right, so that does it for today's episode. I mentioned this at the outset, but please do take us up on our offer to contribute an idea about what you might like to hear on Flat Sharp. Again, send us an email, flatsharppodcast at gmail.com. Suggest a song by any artist we haven't talked about. If you make a compelling case, you may just find it on the next episode. So once again, I'm Benjamin Rush. I'm Matt Soraka. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 